Jesus. All right. Man, I feel good in my spirit. I pray you do too. We're going to go to Mark chapter 14, and this is where we're going to begin. We, we're going to find something interesting in verses 12 through 14, and I'm just going to take those three verses, and I'm going to add a ton of scripture to it. Put your, put your oxygen tank on and get ready because the Spirit of God is about to invade the space that you're uh, inhabiting right now, okay? Mark chapter 14, verse 12 uh, says this, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, this is Passover week, what is Passover week? The festival of unleavened bread. When it was customary to sacrifice, circle that word, the Passover, circle that word, the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Listen carefully. Verse 13, so he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city. Does that sound familiar? Just like he did with the donkey on Sunday. Go into the city and you'll find a man carrying a jar of water, and he will meet you. Follow that man. Say to the owner of the house he enters. The teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Now, of course, the subject of this entire passage that I just read to you is the Passover. Participation in the Passover. But I thought I would just highlight something for you by way of introduction. Don't you find it interesting, all the unknowns in the Gospels? Jesus said to the disciples, go into a city. When you enter it, you're going to find a donkey tied at a crossroads. Never tells us who the owner is. We do not know who the owner is of the garden Jesus prayed in. We don't know who the owner is of this upper room where he participated in the Lord's Supper with his disciples. The unknowns in Passion Week have always intrigued me. It's like they do not jockey for a position. It's like they're almost not asking to be known. Wouldn't it be powerful if all of us in the body of Christ was not looking for prominence and popularity and positions and titles, but we just did what we were called to do and maybe never received the notoriety that we feel like we may deserve, but we just chose to be the unknowns. Wouldn't it be powerful if people were that humble? And I thought I would just drop that in there, but let's get to the, the matter at hand, all right? Because they're going to partake in what is called the Passover. It's a week of the, the week of unleavened bread is also known as, and they're going to partake during this first couple of days, the Jews would partake in what was referred to as the Seder meal. And it's an interesting meal with fish and soups and vegetables and so on and so on. So certainly that's what Jesus went to that upper room to partake in with his disciples. But the Bible says while they are there, he instituted this new kind of, if you will, Passover meal to commemorate what we all know as the Passover. And it's called the Lord's Supper. Many people call it the Eucharist. But Paul says to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that it was after supper. So we know that the supper was the Seder. After supper, the Lord took bread and he broke it. So this is almost like the P.S., of the Passover meal. It's almost like the PS of the Seder meal. 
Um, so I find that to be very interesting, but where does it all start? Why are they celebrating this Passover meal? Why this Seder? And then why this Lord's Supper? Well, we have to go back, right? We have to go all the way back to Exodus chapter three. As a matter of fact, I want you to put in the comments right now, the Exodus, just put those two words, the Exodus, okay? Put that in there, the Exodus. And I'm gonna go ahead and, it literally means the exit. I'm gonna go ahead and prophesy to some of you, that even, even in this teaching tonight, that you're gonna come out of some stuff. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the uncompromisingly righteous person shall come out of all of their troubles. And I'm here to prophesy an exodus to you that you're gonna come out. You're coming out of all of your troubles. The uncompromisingly righteous person shall come out of all of their troubles. Put, put there in the comments, the exodus, okay? And hit those hearts and those thumbs and let me know that you're with me tonight. I, I'm praying I'm saying something good, but hit those hearts and thumbs because I, I really want you to be engaged and involved tonight. So when you go back to Exodus chapter three, verses 16 through 19, God tells uh, Moses in chapter number three, he says, listen, I've heard the groaning of my people. And he says, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared unto me. This is God telling Moses what to say, saying, I have surely visited you. Watch what he says. And I have seen that which is done to you in Egypt. Man, I hope you can hear that. You will never be going through anything that God doesn't visit you in your affliction. And he said, uh, and I have said, God said, I will bring you out of the affliction that you're in. God's gonna bring you out even tonight. He said, I'm gonna bring you out of the affliction of, the, of Egypt. And I'm gonna bring you to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I'm gonna bring you in. The only reason God ever brings you out, and I'm gonna talk about this in a little bit, is to bring you in to a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'll preach on that sometime. But they shall hearken. Watch what God says. When you tell them this, Moses, they shall hearken to your voice and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and you shall say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met us. Now let us go, we beseech thee. Watch what he says. Moses talking to Pharaoh. Let us go, we beseech thee. Listen to the words. Three days. Moses tells Pharaoh, let us go three days. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was in the tomb for three days? On the third day, he rose. On the third day, he exited. On the third day, he made his exodus. He said, let us go three days, journey into the wilderness. Now watch what he says, that we may sacrifice. Put that word in the comments, that we may sacrifice. Put the word sacrifice unto the Lord. And, and watch what God says. I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. He was not, you're gonna tell him, but he's not gonna let you go. And he's not gonna let you go, not even by a mighty hand. The word sacrifice is crucial here in the Exodus. Moses said, let us go and sacrifice. Sacrifice is the offering of something as an act of worship. It's the offering of something as an act of worship. Sacrifice is the offering of something of value for the sake of something else. It's the act of offering something as worship. So the Lord says, when Pharaoh hears the word sacrifice, He's not going to let you go. When the enemy hears you say, 
I am going to sacrifice to God. He's going to fight with everything he's got to keep you in bondage. When you say, I'm going to present my body as a living sacrifice unto God, which is holy and acceptable, it's a spiritual worship. Satan will fight with everything he has to keep you bound. But tonight we're coming out in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name, hit those hearts and thumbs and let me know. Hope you're tagging friends and I hope you're shared this. So watch what Pharaoh does. Exodus 5, we're going to move right through it. Verse 3, and they said, the God of the Hebrews, they went to Pharaoh, and here's what they said. Verse 3, they said exactly what God told them to say. <clears throat> the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go, that we can go three days journeying to the desert and sacrifice, there it is, unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Go down to verse 9 of chapter 5. Watch how Pharaoh responds. Let the work be laid upon them that they may labor therein and let them not regard vain words. Watch what Pharaoh says. Just because you've asked for deliverance, now I'm gonna drive you into the ground like you've never been driven before. Just because you even desire to be delivered, I'm gonna drive you, I'm gonna be a taskmaster to you. That's how the enemy operates. But watch verse 22. And just know this, before any breakthrough happens, things seem to always get harder. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and speak to you this. If things are getting harder and more difficult in your life, you may be one day away from the greatest breakthrough you've ever experienced, okay? Because every time right before an exodus, things get extremely difficult. And that's what happened. They asked for deliverance and the enemy made it more extreme on them. But verse 22 of chapter five, watch what Moses does. He goes back to God and he says, why have you done this? Why, is it, why did you even send me to him? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. And he is, you have not, neither has to delivered your people at all. In other words, Moses said, when I went and talked to him, things got worse. Things got worse. Things always get worse before they get better. It always gets darker before the light comes on. Boy, if you're going through anything that's difficult right now, throw your hands up because you are one step away from the greatest breakthrough you're gonna ever experience in your life. As a matter of fact, I believe this, the more difficult times are, the greater the breakthrough we enjoy in our life. When you get to chapter six, I'll run through it. There's the approach of Aaron and Moses to Pharaoh again. Pharaoh denies it again. Chapter seven, God tells him, I'm gonna send a plague of blood. You know all about it. Rivers turn to blood, everything happens. Chapter eight, the plague of frogs, the plague of gnats, the plague of flies. You know this story as well as I do. If you've never watched the 10 commandments with uh, whatever his name is, Charl Charlton Hester, what's his name? Whatever his name is, then go back and watch it. But this is what happens. So all these plagues come upon the people. Now watch what chapter eight, verse 25 says. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, because of all these plagues, listen carefully, stay with me, saints. You're gonna learn something here. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said that wouldn't be right. The sacrifices we offer our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. Can't be unequally yoked, right? And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, they're going to stone us. 
Watch what he said. We must take a three-day journey in the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commanded us. Pharaoh said, now watch this. I'll let you go sacrifice. You can offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the desert. But watch what he says. Don't go very far. Just don't go far. Isn't that interesting? Pharaoh says, I'm going to let you go, just not far. That's how the enemy does. I'll let you go, but I want to keep a hold on you. You come out a little bit, but you're not totally going to be delivered. Boy, y'all need to hear that right there. The enemy always wants to keep, keep a foothold on you. He said, it's just his compromise right here. He's asking Moses to compromise, negotiate, find middle ground. Let's do a little give and take. So you know what God does? He comes back and he sends another plague in chapter nine on the livestock. Then there's a plague of boils. There's a plague of hail. In chapter 10, the plague of locusts. Then the plague of darkness. You know all these plagues, right? Get to Exodus chapter 10, verse 24. Pharaoh calls Moses back and he says, you know what? Go worship the Lord your God. Even your women and children may go with you. Watch what he says. You can take your women, you can take your children, you can go into the desert and you can sacrifice. You can go and worship the Lord. But watch what he says. Leave, now don't miss this, saints. Leave your flocks and your herds behind. But Moses said, you must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. That's how we worship. We worship God through burnt offerings. We worship God by giving up something. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof can be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. We can't worship without something to give. We can't truly worship without sacrifice. Everyone say the essential elements. Just say it, the essential elements. Now move on to chapter 12, Exodus 12, verses one through seven. You're gonna find there's two essential elements from this point on. Number one is the lamb, and number two is the blood. The lamb and the blood. Exodus 12, one, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, okay, you're still in Egypt. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to the congregation saying, in the 10th day of this month, you shall take, listen to it, to them every man a lamb while you're in Egypt. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for every house. What is Jesus called? The lamb of God. Revelation says, worthy is the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. Every house a lamb. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to him take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating, all this will preach. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep. Boy, I could cry right now. Feel the Holy Ghost. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Watch what he says in verse seven. Here we go. And you shall take of the blood of the lamb and strike it to the doorpost, to two side posts and the upper doorposts of your house wherein he shall eat it. 
Everybody put in the comments right now. Apply the blood. Boy, oh, for more preachers that would preach on that blood again. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. He said, put that blood on your doorpost. Why? Because verses 12 through 14 of chapter 12 says this. I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt. I'm going to do it at night. And I'm going to smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I'm going to execute judgment. Watch what God says. I am the Lord. Boy, don't, don't, don't ever try to rob him of his sovereignty or his position. America, you better put God back in the place he's supposed to be. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses that you live in. And watch what he says. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's how you get it. That's where Passover comes from. I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Don't miss that. A memorial. And you shall keep it. A feast to the Lord. Listen what God says. Throughout your generations, you shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. When you get to verse 23 of chapter 12, watch what God says. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over you. You will not suffer. He will not suffer the destroyer to come on your house to smite you. You shall observe these things. Listen carefully for an ordinance for you and to your sons. How long? Forever. Forever. How long, y'all? Forever. We are to celebrate the Passover forever. That's why Jesus instituted a new way, a new testament. This is the new wine. This is the new blood. This is the new bread. Oh, my God. He was the Passover lamb, y'all. And he, inst he instituted the Lord's Supper with bread and wine. And he said, you don't even have to do it once a year. You can do it as many times as you want to do it. I personally think we ought to receive communion more. But watch this. Pharaoh still didn't yield. He still didn't submit. And the plague of the firstborns hit in verse number 25 through 30 of chapter 12. Stay with me, please. Stay with me, please. Share this. In verse 31 of chapter 12, during the night, here he goes again. He calls Moses back and he calls Aaron with him and said, look, I've had enough. Get up and leave here. You and the Israelites. What, what Pharaoh says, go worship the Lord as you have requested. Why did he let them go? Because they sacrificed the lamb. Go and worship the Lord like you want to. Watch this. Take your flocks, take your herds, take everything as you have said, and go. My God, have mercy. The essential elements have been applied, the lamb and the blood. That's where our deliverance rests. Behold the lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. One drop of blood from that cross could cleanse a whole world of its sin. He was the lamb of eternity. Boy, I hope you hear that. And we should celebrate this, like the Bible says, every year. That's why we're all excited. This is Super Bowl week for the church. 
but there's one guarantee, we win. We ought to be the most incredibly enthusiastic, excited, glad, and happy people in all the world this entire week. I know you would say we need to be that way all year, of course, but this is the commemoration of all that went down concerning the lamb and the blood. I speak the blood over your doorpost tonight. I, I, my mama used to tell me she lay her hands right here. She was about five foot two and she would look up at me and, and she would say, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. What was she saying? If anything is coming nigh you tonight, son, as a teenager, while you are out, it's going to pass over you because the blood of Jesus is on you. And that's what I do. I plead the blood over your house. I plead the blood over your children. I plead the blood over your address. I plead the blood over your doorpost. The destroyer shall pass over you. I speak that to Brother Charles in our church right now with a heart condition. I speak the blood of Jesus and the destroyer shall pass over you. In Jesus' name, anyone else that is sick, I speak the blood over you right now and the enemy shall pass over you. In Jesus' name, this is the power of the Passover. The essential elements rest in the exodus. The essential elements for the exodus is two things, the lamb and the blood. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going for about 15 more minutes. Are you with me? Hit those hearts and those thumbs, please. Hit them right now. Tag a friend and share this. My God, I know somebody could feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you feel the Holy Ghost, hit those hearts and your thumbs right now. If you're receiving anything, hit the hearts and the thumbs. Tag a friend, share this. I'm telling you, God's speaking. Here's what I want you to put in the comments. God, don't do empty. Put it in there right now. Come on, y'all. God, don't do empty. I'm going to show you something. God, don't do empty. Put it in there. God, don't do empty. I want to see the first one. As soon as I see the first one, I'm going I'm to keep on rolling. God, don't do empty. I see a lot of comments, but I want to see God don't do empty. And I'm telling you right now, he don't do empty. God does not do empty. And I, I say it like this, God don't do empty. If you want to put God does not do empty, go on and help yourself. But I feel the Holy Ghost right now. This is the power of the Passover. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. God don't do empty. Put it in the comments right now. Here we go. Exodus 23. Now move on down. Move on down because now they have already exited. They're in the wilderness. God starts speaking to Moses. And he says in chapter 23, verse 14 of Exodus, three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. Eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, or in the month, that is the month you came out of Egypt. Whew. Man, that's powerful. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was crucified the same week that the Israelites came out of Egypt. Jesus got out of the grave the same week the Israelites came out of Egypt. I hope you can hear this. He says, I want you to do it once a year and I want you to do it for seven days at the appointed time. And watch what he says in verse 15. Don't miss this. Put it in the comments. God, don't do empty. Watch what God tells Moses. When you do this festival, this Passover, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. Don't even come to the Passover celebration empty-handed. Bring something of value with you. Bring something with you. Why do we celebrate Passover offerings? I'm about to give it to you, and I'm going to give you a boatload of it. 
because this is godly, this is of, of God, this is holy, this is scriptural, 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 and it's applicable to your life today. This isn't some Old Testament thing. God said, do it for all generations, forever do this. Don't celebrate the Passover week empty-handed. Watch what I'm telling you. Empty means with nothing, containing nothing, having none of the usual or appropriate contents. It means unoccupied, which the opposite of unoccupied, empty is consecration, which means to fill your hands. We'll teach on that. You've heard me teach on that. But empty means void of content. Don't come before me, God says, during this Passover week, void of content. Don't come before me having none of the appropriate things that you should be bringing with you, like praise, like worship, like offering like offering, like worship, like praise. Don't come empty. How much is God set against the empty? Now, I'm going to work this thing here now in Jesus' name. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form, and the earth was empty, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, the, the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And watch what God said. God said, let there be light, and there was light. The earth was void, vacuity, empty. There was no validity to it. Why? Because it was unfilled and unfulfilled. Are you hearing me? There was no matter in it. God created the earth empty and he filled it with light. As soon as he spoke, it was filled with light. Chaos became cosmos. Watch Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. This for all this started. And it shall come to pass that when you go, this is before they left. This is chapter three. They're not out of there till chapter 12. Stay with me. God says, I'm going to tell you before it happens. When you leave this bondage, you shall not go out empty. You shall not go out empty. And you're going to learn if you study it that they left with the wealth of the Egyptians. Whoo, Lord have mercy. God don't do empty. God does not let his people go through anything and come out the other side empty handed. No, you don't come out empty. You come out full. God don't do empty. When Ruth is consecrated by Boaz, watch what to be his wife. He says to it, now go back to Ruth, but watch what he tells. Uh, go back to, to Naomi, but watch what he tells Ruth. Do not go to her empty. Do not go to her empty. Why? Because God don't do empty. In 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7, you know the story of a certain woman who had the sons. Her husband is dead. Her sons were about to be um, taken captive by the creditor. The creditor had come and she cries out, what shall I do? He says, what shall I do for you? She cries out to the prophet. I'm going as fast as I can because you need to hear this. Let it rest in your spirit. Go back and watch it again and watch what he tells her. What do you have in the house? And she said, uh, I don't have anything in the house but a pot of oil. Watch what the prophet said. Go borrow vessels from your neighbors. Watch what he says. And borrow empty vessels. My God here today. And don't borrow a few. Get as much emptiness as you can find. Because I'm about to show you what God going to do with empty. God don't do empty. God don't do empty. So go, buy, go, go borrow all the empty vessels you can get. And watch what he says. And you and your son shall pour into those empty vessels and you shall set aside that which is full. As long as she poured, God filled. She only had a little bit, 
But the more she emptied, the more God filled. You better hear that. The more you empty, the more God fills. God don't do empty. Started all the way in Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and increase and fill the earth and subdue it. God puts us in places to fill those places. Don't stand in a place and not feel it. Don't stand in church and not feel your spot, F-I-L-L. Don't stand in your position and not feel your position. Genesis 9-1, God blessed Noah and his sons. He said, be fruitful, increase, and fill the earth. Wherever we are, we should be feeling that space. What's Jesus' first miracle? Watch what he says. Go get six empty water pots and fill them to the rim because God don't do empty. Luke 14, 23, go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Why? So that my house shall be filled. God does not do empty. God does full. And you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost and power when the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. Man, listen, guys, God does not do empty. Deuteronomy 16, 16, in these feasts three times a year, he says to the people, you shall not appear before the Lord empty. Leviticus 25, 18. Wherefore, you shall do my statutes, keep my judgments, and do them. You will dwell in the land in safety, and the land will yield her fruit. Watch what he says. And you shall eat your field. God, don't do empty. You shall eat your F-I-L-L. -L. You shall eat your field. You're going to eat till you are full. If you'll just do what I tell you to do, because God don't do empty. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. Folks, listen to me. Don't come before God empty. He don't do empty. If you're empty, bring something as a sacrifice and he will fill you up. Don't ever appear before the Lord empty-handed. Bring God something and he will fill you. If you will get it in your hand, he will get it in your heart. Come on in this building. If you will get it in your hand, God will get it in your heart. There's only two kinds of people in the world. There's givers and the takers. Freely you have received, freely give. You know why most people stay empty? Because they refuse to give what they have. If you'll give what you, if you'll keep empty and God will keep filling. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not stand and rebuke the, the, the devourer for your sake. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. I don't understand why a generation of believers and Christians do not believe in the tithe and do not believe in the offering and do not believe in giving and do not believe in the Passover offering and do not believe in these essential elements to cause us to walk in the fullness, the abundant life of Jesus. Folks, let me tell you, you can't outgive God. God don't do empty. God wants you to be full, that you could have life and life more abundantly. It means to the full. It's a quality life filled with quantity. God wants you to be blessed. He shall fill all your needs according to his riches. He'll meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Folks, don't be stingy. A stingy man comes to nothing, the proverb says. Quit arguing with scripture about giving. 
And my God, quit robbing God. You've robbed, how shall a man rob God? Malachi chapter three, you have robbed me in tithe and offerings. The word offerings is sacrifices. You've robbed me. Folks, release. If you want what's in God's hand, release what's in your hand. You can't argue scripture. I heard Robert Morris say the other day, one of the strongest things I've ever heard about giving. He said, your tithe is a test of your trust. Your tithe is a test of your trust. Your tithe, your giving tells us who you trust and who you worship. Your giving tells us who you, who you trust and who you worship. Listen, we're going to bring the biggest Passover offering we've ever brought this weekend. The church is hurting universally right now. And it's because people have decided because of the pandemic, finances, political upheaval, racial divide, everything making us hold on. You'll lose what you hold and you'll gain what you let go of. Man, I pray you're hearing me today. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You're a blessed people. You're blessed to be a blessing. Come on in this house. God don't do empty. All right, I'll finish it. Here's the exciting news of how God blesses you. He said, now if you, in 23, Exodus 23, he said, don't come before me empty-handed. And when, you, when you'll come before me with something, he said, this is what I'm gonna do for you. Chapter 23, verse 23. I will send an angel before you to keep you in the way and I'll bring you into, play, into the place I prepared for you. Beware of, of this angel, obey his voice, don't provoke him for my name is in him. But if you shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. I'll be an adversary to your adversaries. My angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, and the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I'm going to cut them jokers off. That's what God says. In verse 24, you shall not bow down to their gods. You shall not serve them. Do not do, go after their works, but you shall... Thou shalt utterly overthrow them and break down their images and you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread. He shall bless your water and I'll take sickness from you. There shall, not, there shall nothing cast their young. You shall not be barren in your land. The number of your days will be fulfilled. I will send my fear before you and will destroy anybody that shall come against you. I will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. I will send hornets before you to drive out Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites from before you. But watch what he says. I'm not going to do it in a year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against you. But little by little, I'm going to drive them out from before you until you be increased and inherit the land. Now, I'm going to go somewhere right now, and some, some of you are not going to like it. Some of, you are, some of you are going to be like, hold on now, Pastor Rick. No, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Listen, it's easy for preachers to buy other people's books, print it out of their books, and just say what they said and call it God. Now, let me tell you something. There was a preacher that wrote a book called The Seven Blessings of Passover. Well, let me tell you something right here. God bless that preacher. And, you know, I've always preached it, and I could pull seven out of there. But I got deep in it today, and the Holy Ghost convicted me and said, Son, you're missing a lot of what I'm trying to get to my people. There's more than seven blessings to a Passover offering. 
There's more than seven blessings that belong to the people that do not come before me empty-handed because I don't do empty. When my people come before me with an offering, with a Passover offering, I give them exits. I give them an exodus. I give them an entrance into something they never enjoyed. And so I started looking at it. I'm going to give you all that I found, all the blessings that I found to people who bring Passover offerings. Here they are. Number one, I'm going to send an angel before you. I'm going to send an angel before you. You know what God told Abraham? I'm going to be your vanguard and your rearward. I'm going to be in front of you and behind you. It's the first promise of a Passover offering. Watch what he said. I'm going to send my angel before you. My, my spirit's going to get there before you get there. My God have mercy. Number two, I'm almost done, but I'm going to get all these out. Here's the second promise. I will keep you. That's what he says in Exodus chapter 23. Second promise, I will keep you. And put these in there as, as I say them. Number one, he'll go before us. Number two, he will keep us. He will keep us. You know what Psalm 121 says? The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Watch what he says. The Lord shall preserve your going out. And the Lord shall preserve your coming in from this time forth and forever. Preserve means to hedge about, to guard you, to attend to you, to keep you alive while maintaining you, to keep you from decaying. Whew. He'll keep you, number two. Number three, he said, I will bring you in. God is continually bringing us out in order to bring us in. God said he'll bring you in. Put it in the comments. God will bring me in. I need to, I need to see about 100 more hearts and thumbs. This stuff is good. I feel the Holy Ghost in my house. If you don't feel it, you ain't reaching for it. This is revelation knowledge for you. You better get ready to bring the Passover offering and enjoy all these promises. I'm already on number three. He'll bring you in. Here's number four. He says, I will be an enemy to your enemies. My God, God said, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do to keep this throughout all generations, if you'll do these statutes, he said, you won't even have to fight your own battles. I'll be an enemy to your enemies. I'll handle your enemies for you. You just keep on living in abundance. Number five, he said, I'm going to bless your bread and your water. That's God saying, I'm Jehovah Jireh to you. I am the God that supplies all of your needs. I am God, your provider. I will bless your bread and your water. That's, that's number five. That's the fifth thing he's going to do. The sixth thing, the sixth promise he's going to do is I'm going to take sickness from you. He is the God that healeth thee. He is the great physician. God will heal you of all sickness, he said. Don't come before me empty-handed. I don't do empty. He said, if you'll do, if you'll follow the statutes and the commands and the ordinances concerning this week, he said, I'm telling you right now, he said, I'll take sickness from you. By his stripes, you are healed. Number seven, there will be no barrenness or loss to what you are carrying. No abort, you will not abort your dream. My God, have mercy. You'll be fertile to receive dreams, revelation, and visions from God. That's number seven. There'll be no barrenness and you won't lose what you've been carrying. Come on, Holy Ghost, speak in this room. That's number seven. He said, bring the Passover offering. Don't come before me empty-handed. Follow the ordinances and the commandments and the statutes. And number eight, you will fulfill your purpose before you die. Number eight, promise, you will fulfill your purpose before you die. You put it in the comments right now. I will fulfill my purpose before I die. That's God's promise. That's God's promise to people that'll keep these ordinances, that'll keep these festivals, that'll keep this, Lord have mercy. 
You will fulfill your purpose before you die. Two more. Number nine, you will increase. No limits, no boundaries. You will increase. You will increase. No limits, no boundaries. You will continue to increase. Number 10, I'm preaching so loud, I'm waking Little River up. Joe Biden walked by me a while ago. You're waking the baby up. I, I feel the Holy Ghost. Tenth thing, here's the tenth promise and I'm done. You'll inherit the land. You'll inherit the land. You know what Obadiah said? The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. You're about to get your inheritance. You shall, you're about to possess everything that yours, that's yours. You shall possess your possessions. There are possessions that are yours that you don't have yet. There are possessions that are yours that you don't, in other words, you have a house, but you don't have the key to it. God's about to give you the key to it. God's about to give you your possessions. I speak against this COVID pandemic mentality of lack and less than in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you folks, if I was you, I would be at my church this weekend and I would be bringing the best sacrifice and the best Passover offering I've ever given in my entire life. And the release of these 10 blessings is coming your way. I saw it plain today and all of it rests in Jesus Christ. All of it rests in Jesus Christ. He said it like this. Give, and it shall be given unto you. That's how Jesus said it. That's how Jesus spoke about it. Empty, and you shall be full. Give, and it shall be given to you. Freely you have received. Freely give. Stop being stingy. Stop being a taker. There's no blessing in just always taking, 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 taking. The blessing is releasing, letting go, and giving. I speak it to you in Jesus' name. My God, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've enjoyed this. Amen. If you've enjoyed it, hit, you, hit those hearts and thumbs for me one more time. That's the exciting news of blessing. Ten promises from God. I've enjoyed being with y'all tonight. Listen, let me pray for you right now. I'm gonna pray these 10 things over you right now. Father, I pray you would go before us in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, Keep your people. Preserve your people. Keep your people, Lord. Keep your people. Lord, I pray you bring us in. Bring us into what you prepared for us to enjoy. Bring us in. Lord, I pray. We pray for our enemies, and you said you'd be an enemy to our enemies. So we leave that to you. Vengeance belongs to you. That's what you said. So we release them to you. I pray, God, you will be Jehovah Jireh to these people. Bless their water and their bread. I speak against sickness. You promised you would take sickness from us. You are the God that heals us. I pray for the sick right now. Heal them, deliver them, make them whole in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for no barren, barrenness and no abortion. No abortion of dreams, no barrenness to receive dreams. I speak fertility in the spirit of these people to receive vision, revelation, and dreams from you. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for their purpose. The Bible says that David served the purpose of God in his generation before he fell asleep, that these people will live out their purpose before they die. In the name of Jesus. I pray for increase. I pray for a Jabez increase. Bless them indeed and enlarge their territory. Bless them indeed and enlarge their ter territory. And finally, the 10th promise, God, I pray it over them that they will inherit their land that they will possess their possessions, that you would give them what belongs to them. 
in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to put in the comments right now, okay? Here's what I want you to put in the comments right now. Thank God for the Passover. Just put that in the comments. Come on, everybody. Thank God for the Passover. Thank God for the Passover. Amen? I love you. I mean it. I love you. I pray for you. Not just quest people. I see people on here from all over. I, I pray for all of you. In Jesus' name. Let's get this thing.